privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun. And everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Join Rabbit and Red Radio Network on Patreon for exclusive shows, content, swag, and more. For the low price of $2 per month, you can join the family. So check us out at patreon.com slash network one That's patreon.com slash network the number one. All right, everyone. Welcome to an all-new episode of The Hot Seat. I'm Crippled Cody. Tonight, we have a very special guest. We not only have just a regular person or a fan of the horror genre or anything like that. We have a guest tonight that knows how to create his own projects, bring his own dreams to life, make his own fantasies a reality, if you will. I thought it'd be interesting to have someone completely different on tonight's episode. So not only can we discuss his life, his childhood, and all the behind-the-scenes stuff that he has gone through, but we're also going to discuss the behind-the-scenes attributes and contributions that he has given to the horror genre itself. Today, we talked to the creator of Clowns in the Woods, I believe the movie's called. God, I'm going to get a lot of heat if I got that title wrong. Anyway, we will introduce our guest when we come back from this intro. Yeah, that, that that fucking intro, man, right? Yeah. <laughs> Adrian, welcome to the show. Yeah, and it's great to be here. That's awesome. Um, yeah, we we got a very special episode tonight. We got Adrian. How do you spell your? Uh, how do you pronounce your last name? Esposito. Yeah. Yep. Esposito. E S P O S I T O. Esposito. We should make like an Italian restaurant and call it. Adrian's Esp- Esp- Esposito's of uh, Brigadonio. No, there actually is an Esposito's restaurant. I think it's in uh, either Pittsburgh or Baltimore. I forget now, but. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Real quick, I just want to say hello to uh, Amy. We got already got our buddy Amy and the. Uh, he- hello, Amy. How are you? I haven't gotten those nudes you're supposed to be sending me. No, I'm just joking. 
Um, yeah, we already got some people in our crowd and our audience dad tonight. That's awesome. Adrian, uh, I don't know if you've seen any of these episodes uh, so far. What I like to do is I like to talk about the person themselves. I like to dive into their own life, life before we dive too much right off the bat into, you know, what you're into and what you've created. Is that okay? Oh, yeah, sure. All right. Um, how old are you, Adrian? I am 33. I'm going to be 34 in December. Oh, wow. Okay. So you're, you're just a couple of years younger than I am. All right. Let's, um, as I call the segment, the humble beginning segment, let's go back to your childhood, whatever, whatever part you feel comfortable talking about. If you don't feel like talking about your actual childhood, you could jump to teenagehood or even early adulthood, you, whatever you uh, feel comfortable talking about. Wait, we, what did Amy just say? The nudes of my cat are on the way. Oh, no, 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 no. That was the wrong pussy. <laughs> Amy, Amy, you, we got we we got a little miscommunication going on, Amy. We'll have to talk about that. Yeah, there's the nudes of my cat are on the way. You know, Amy, we will talk about this after the show tonight. Stay up late tonight, honey. I'll I'll PM you later. All right. Anyway, <laughs> Adrian, let's uh let's talk about your childhood if you're comfortable with it. What would you like All to right. start? What would you like to start with, my friend? Well, I'll say what we uh, how we'll start out with is that um. I was born, you know, 1988, like I said, December the 10th with, uh, I was born with autism, um, you know, um, and how that started, you know, the umbilical cord was wrapped around my neck and they had to do a C-section to take me out. So that caused lack of oxygen, causing the autism, you know, to the brain. But um, I haven't let that hold me back. Um I mean, it can be frustrating sometimes and sometimes kind of isolating, you know, trying to find a girlfriend out there, which is still proving very difficult. Right. Um, <clears throat> I would say in my childhood, it was a pretty happy childhood, except my teenage years. Going into my teenage years really sucked ass. Um, <laughs> Um, I think that's I think that's for a lot of us that deal with any type of disability, right? The teen years are. Oh, yeah. Hard. Right. Now, for anyone who might not know <coughs> me, <clears throat> explain to us a little bit about what what is autism? Like what what did it affect? Does it affect your thinking? Does it affect the way you speak sometimes or your learning ability? What tell me a little bit about that? Well, my autism it does affect sometimes some judgment, um you know, some, maybe some behavioral, behavioral issues, which I don't really want to get into, but, uh, um, it also, um, you know, like the judgment, you know, um, understanding certain cues and, but in reality, I think, you know, a lot of people, we're all in a way we all have our own, if, can I say, you know, fuck ups in life, you know? Yeah. You can say whatever you want on this fucking show. Yeah. Yeah, so, we are, we're all, we're not really normal. Not not all of us, anyways. What's normal anymore? You know, yeah, like, really, really. If you really think about it, every single one of us has our own version of a disability in some sort of way. Yeah, exactly. Duly so, noted. real quick, let me ask you this: you, you said sometimes you have judgment issues. So, say for an example, if you were in a strip club, right? I don't know if you've ever been to a strip club before. I'm going to ask you that after this example. But uh, say you're in a strip club and a big tittied woman comes up to you. We'll just call her Miss Tiggle Biddies. And <laughs> she, 
she, she, and she tells you that you can buy a dance, right? But then, but then she whispers in your ear. She says, "But a little bit extra money, and I'll touch your pee pee for you." What? So, what? What would your decision be on that? Well, probably I would go with the safe bet, you know. So, so I don't, you know, nothing further bad happens. I'd go with the first what she suggested, but not go for the extra, you know, the extra money. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, you know, just the right. You know, well, but. you know what? Then you got good judgment, in my opinion. Then, because in all honesty, I probably wouldn't either. I wouldn't. I wouldn't choose to have a woman uh, that I don't know touch me all like that. You know, I make a lot of jokes on this show, but yeah, I agree yeah. with that. Uh, it's yeah. too much trouble, too risky. And, and to answer your question, the only place I've been to that's like a PG thirteen of a strip club is the Tilted Kill. I. I missed out on Hooters, but which really sucks. But when it was because there, it's gone from Rochester now. But now, what's the tilted kilt? It's 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 like Hooters, except they wear skirts, you know, kilts or whatever to women. Oh, are they? Was most of them good-looking women, or? Yeah, I would say if I remember right, you know, that left Rochester too, which it doesn't say much for Rochester, you know. <laughs> Well, I tell you, you know, and anyone who's listened to the show for any amount of time knows that I am not, I don't believe in tipping. I don't tip at regular restaurants. But I'll tell you, Adrian, if I had a Hooters or a Tilted Kilt restaurant to go to, I'd probably tip there. Yeah. Because yeah. they're shaking their ass. I mean, basically, they're showing off their skin. They're, they're making sure I get a pudge while I'm getting my belly full, right? Like, why not? Um. So let's talk a little bit because, you know, I, I grew up with a different uh, type of disability, a physical disability. It was more visual of what, you know, these kids in high school could see a visual of me. Oh, my right. God. Um, and you feel free to ask any questions to me that you want to ask. This doesn't have to be just about you. You can ask me questions, too. I'd like to know. Tell me some stories, good or bad. Like, what did you, what's some of the things you went through in the high school years? Like, did you have any friends? Did you get bullied a lot? You know, stuff like that. Well, my high school years, first of all, um, up middle school was so so. I had some friends, but not in the new school, but from the old school I was previously at. But my house, high school years, first I got. Basically, you know, the principal who, I'll just say, you know, she was a real bitch. She uh, kicked me out and, you know, this one, this special ed school I was in and put me in half days at this institute. I didn't live there, but half days at this institution called MDC. And then another half day at, you know, at going to this administration building. That was how it started out, but then it was half days again at this crappy institution and then another half days back at the regular special ed school. And then eventually just going back to the special ed school when they saw they could um, put a muzzle on me, if you know what I mean, you know, keep, 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 keep me on a leash. Mm. So um, it, I, I had, I, I did have the remaining friends, but it really did suck looking back on it, it pro I didn't think it sucked then, but looking back on it now, it really did suck because, 
you know, not just me, but for the other students, they didn't really, we didn't really get a, a good education. You know, we had all the other classes, but then we didn't really learn how to read, write, or do mathematics. And, it, you know, that was, that was a real pain. I mean, that was the original reason my mom pulled me out of that same special ed school and put me in a private school, which taught me out, you know, the reading, writing, and mathematics. But, you know, because of I wasn't catching up academically with the other students and maybe some minor behavior BS bullshit, you know, I had to go back, you know, I had to go to this other special ed school for my middle age year, school years, and then back to this other, the same crappy ed school, you know, my mom pulled me out. So it wasn't, you know, really fun. And oh, and plus... I had to stay there till 21, which is totally stupid. I mean, oh, they, you know, the whole emphasis behind that was, oh, they need these kids, these students need extra years to, you know, finish out, you know, they need the extra time and, you know, you know, and, and you know, they can't graduate at 18, like, and, and every, like in a regular school, which is totally stupid you know, just to get in a, a diploma of some kind. So that I, it's, that's, that's, you know, basically where I, where I got the idea for a lot of my movies, you know, like Clowns in the Woods, you know, being the outcast and isolated and, and I, and there's this new script. I'm going to, I wrote a first draft, but it's not many pages and, I want to get back to writing a full version, a full draft of the script, which is that one is called Special Ed of the Dead, which will take a, put a lot of my frustrations of my high school year into that script. And basically, in a nutshell, Special Ed of the Dead is going to be about when I finish the script. That will be my next venture I'm going to look into down the line, down the years, is about, you know, the zombie apocalypse happens, they attack a special ed school, and a handful of the special ed students managed to, you know, escape and band together to, to survive in the in the world that's being eaten around them, if you know what I mean. That is a very interesting concept. And it's not far-fetched to think that special ed people could potentially uh, outsmart the dead because the dead are not intellectual human beings. Special ed people could potentially be intellectual human be right so yeah you know I, that's a, that's a special ed of the dead i like that yeah yeah i i, I wrote a, like i said i wrote a first first draft and it's uh you know it's i i don't know if i can get the school i want the special ed school i want to to agree to let me film there because you know a lot of complications it's run by the state or some people should or something but it, it's a film i want to do a, maybe a few years from now because that's going to require a lot of money <laughs> everything's money of course um well here's what i think everyone wants to know and i'll go ahead and ask it are you planning on having any titties in this new movie that you're gonna have oh you mean uh Nudity. Special, oh special needs revolt well, no, any, let me ask you, any of your movies, does, does Clowns in the Woods have nudity in it? My apologies, I haven't watched it yet. Oh, uh, no, it, no, it doesn't have any nudity. I, I don't think, you know, a lot of the actresses, that, and plus I didn't write in the script because I knew they would, they would have issues with that or a sex scene. 
But uh, this new script, Special Needs Revolt, um, that has, um, there's, there's sort of like, there's some nudity in there, one nudity scene. But I, I have to find out if, if A, the actress, will, one, the actress will be comfortable doing a nudity scene. And, and it's also like a rape sex scene, you know, where President Kruger is like, has her tied to the bed and, yeah. and spandex. The bed latex or whatever and he's raping her or whatever yeah the best so, type of sex scene right yeah <laughs> i'm kidding but, um, yeah i have to not be make sure that the actress whoever i get will be you know that show she'll want to do that and and plus the nudity you know because everyone a lot of a lot of actresses uh, i i learned especially here locally in rochester in the neighboring city buffalo new york they're very sensitive about nudity or sex, or even a rape scene that's even crossing the line. But it would be played up for laughs, like in the Toxic Avenger or Citizen Toxic. It wouldn't be a real serious rape scene. It would just be like, oh, this is, you know, what, a, you know, oh, you know, haha, you know. I, I, I just want to say I fucking love Citizen Toxie. Like, I like the other Toxic Avenger movies too, but yeah. Citizen Toxie takes the fucking cake for me. Yeah, I know. Like but, um, just the whole fucking thing. Well, I, you know, cause I can imagine, cause we live now in a time period where, you know, these Gen Z people, these young women, they don't want to show off their body. They don't like nudity. They don't like the idea of being sexualized or objectified. And sometimes you got to do that in horror movies, but I also get what you mean. You, sometimes you don't need it. You know, I, yeah, you, I, don't wanna, you don't want to pressure or force, actresses or your actors or women to do something they're not comfortable with other, you know, that's not how you make friends or get ahead in the industry. Or if this is the industry you want to be in with making movies. Right. Well, okay. So let's rewind just for a minute. We can talk a little bit. We can talk a lot right. more about your projects here in a little bit, but let me go back. Let's go back to the high school days. Um, tell me how did your, how did your love and interest for the horror genre in general, how'd that start? Um, well, it all started, I would say, when I was um, just getting into middle school, um, you know, the special ed school, middle school. And I had, I had seen it. I had rent, finally got at the video. I had gotten at the video store, Night of the Living Dead, uh, Dawn of the Dead, and Day of the Dead, and... They were on VHS, a neighbor, not a neighbor, a friend of mine, his his grandmother rented them for us, and we watched them all in the in the order. And I fell in love with the genre ever since. And of course, back I'm really old school. I I also like Resident Evil, the video games for PlayStation, you know, the original PlayStation. So Wait, wait, wait. Do you like the movies though? No. <laughs> God damn it, Adrian. I love, <laughs> I love the Resident Evil movies. But that's okay. You don't have to. Don't have to. But I um also the 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 uh it was a trick question, but um <laughs> it's okay. I was just messing with you. Yeah, okay. But the um and then there was um uh what was that movie called? Uh it's it's based on I like the arcade game too, uh House of the I, Dead. Yeah, House of the Dead, which was made into a movie, which made me disappointed in that. I'm going to have to say, once again, I like the first House of the Dead, just because it's one of those so terrible, it's actually fun type of movies. That's why yeah. I like it. 
but I so, get it. So yeah, I that got those those were the tipping point. But the movies, you know, and then you know the you know Friday Thirteenth, Halloween, um, Texas. Oh, and especially Texas Chainsaw Massacre. When I first saw that, that's man, man, this is freaky and creepy, and I I like how the style of this movie is with the original one. Yeah. Um, I, I just want to point out, I'm pretty sure our good buddy Amy just uh, admitted that Uwe Boll is her favorite director. I think that's what she just said. Uh, I think, yeah, I think that's what she said. So, so Let me ask you real quick, because I don't want to forget this. The, out of the original three, the first three George Romero uh, dead movies, which is your favorite out of those original three? Ooh, that's a toughie. Um... Mine personally is Day of the Dead, hands down. That's my favorite one out of all three of them. Yeah, I mean, I like Day of the Dead because it had better zombie effects, better zombie makeup. I like it for Day of the Dead, but I will say that story wise, Dawn of the Dead had a better story because it's in a shopping mall. Mm -hmm. There's, there's, you know, they, they, I mean, they get away in the helicopter in the second one too, but in the first one, it's kind of left ambiguous like what happens to the two survivors at the end of that movie the original one and uh so i would have to say i know it doesn't have good zombie effects but down of the dead i was originally going to say night of living dead just because of the ending with the social commentary because that's i like george romero's social commentaries in his movies you know back when nobody was doing that in horror films right and uh but yeah, down of the dead with the shopping mall would be my hands down favorite. But I will, but I like it for the story, not the effects. Day of the dead effects, not so much story, but that's how well, I feel. The um, yeah, I get it. Uh, the special effects in Dawn of the Dead isn't bad, it just looks a little bit more cartoony than it does in the other ones, I think. You know, because yeah. the blood, the blood does not look like regular blood. It's 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 more like painty, and and if I remember cl correctly, it's like a lighter version. Yeah, it's of more it. light red, light red, and uh, the reason I said the effects for the zombies weren't good is just a lot of them. The extra, you know, the zombies they just had gray paint on their faces, gray makeup, which you know wasn't. You know, I liked it back then, but now when I look back, it's like. You know, that could be done easily nowadays. You just get a whatever and put, you know, gray paint or something on them. And, you know, however, there was one scene at the helicopters, the, with the helicopter at the gas station or whatever, where there's a zombie where, you know, a chunk of his face is ripped off and he's wearing like a checkered red and black shirt. That, that was a good effect, though, for the zombie. The ball. Yeah. One. Well, are we talking about in Dawn? Yeah, and Don, yeah. Is that the scene where the zombie got his head just chopped off by the chopper blade? Yeah, it's in the same scene. That effect was good. The one with the zombie with the black and red checkered shirt. And that, it's also the scene with the kid, the zombie kids that Ken Foray has to kill. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm remembering. It's, so that, that was right, that's right before the chopper scene. Okay. Yeah. Um... Yeah, real quick, I just want to give a shout out. Rob Mahoney's in here. Amy's in here. They're both on my nuts right now. And thank you guys. You can be on my nuts all you want. You can donate to my GoFundMe if you want. Adrian, you can share my GoFundMe if you'd like, buddy. We'll talk more about that a little bit later on. Sure. 
<laughs> anyway, um, so you mentioned all of these popular franchises that influenced you. Real quick, I want to ask, what is, you know, out of the one, out of all the franchises, I, I asked you what your favorite Night of the Living, or George Romero movie was, but what's, what would you say is your favorite horror franchise as a whole? Um, I, I'll, easy, I don't say, you mean like where they made a whole ton of shitload of sequels? That's what I mean. Like, like no, I can't. I I feel like none of us can really say <clears throat> every single installment in any franchise. Oh my god, I fucking loved it. Maybe except Mike would say that maybe for the Halloween franchise. Maybe for every one that Donald Pleasance. Well, in. I do like. <clears throat> I do. My, I would say hands down is Nightmare on Elm Street series with Freddy Krueger. Um, and I, the reason I cho choose Freddy Krueger is he's not like a silent you know, mute killer like Michael or Jason are. <clears throat> um, he has like a like a badass com comic wit to him that, you know, that people would say they, oh, the reason why people like Negan, he's a real piece of shit, asshole, evil guy, but they like him because he's a badass and he has a comic wit behind him. But with Freddy, um... You know, the, there's especially a line when he's in the... I know the fifth one is the worst. A lot of people hate Dream Child. But there's a scene that when I saw it the first time as a kid on VHS is when he's killing one of the friends of the main character in her dream. And when he's stuck, she, she's like a chef and he's stuffing food in her. And he says, bon appetit, bitch. And for some reason that made me laugh out loud. Yeah, of course. I, I'm I'm with you on that. I everyone when everyone when anyone excuse me when anyone asks me what is my favorite franchise, it also is Nightmare on Elm Street. It's not because I love every single you know installment. I don't. But uh, yeah, Freddy Krueger is for me also the hands down the the best horror icon that there is. Um, I I don't know. Like I get it. People love Michael Myers, Jason. You know. Uh, Another one that's on my mind is Art the Clown because I'm I'm still waiting to see the new Terrifier movies. Do you like the Terrifier movies? The first one? Yeah, I like the first one. I I just wish it wasn't it wasn't all. I guess they did it for budget reasons, but it, you know they they had for one location. It was all in some, you know, they were all locked in a dungeon fact like some abandoned factory with tunnels. I like. I would have liked it if he was just going house to house or something, killing people like you know Michael Myers was. Right. Well, I feel like I haven't seen it yet, but I feel like the sequel has got a much bigger budget, and it feels like that one's not contained. And because you're right, it did. The first one did feel like it was just in a one location dungeon like place where they, a soundstage where they you know yeah everything. So, but. I think a big influence on Clowns in the Woods wasn't just the Nightmare on Elm Street and social commentary. It was also the movie Candyman because it had that whole backstory of how Candyman became Candyman because of racial prejudice and stuff. Whereas in Clowns in the Woods, well, I don't want to spoil anything, but you'll see. Okay. I will watch it soon. Um, have you considered, I don't know if this is in the cards or if this is possible, have you attempted to get uh, like clowns in the woods, like either on Tubi or Screenbox or any of these. Oh, apps. oh, it, it's clowns in the woods is on Tubi TV. Oh, it is on Tubi. Yeah, 
Shit, I I wish someone I wish I would have had you remind me. I wish I would have asked you that I I you didn't know I didn't know, but yeah, I wish I would have asked ahead of time. I I apologies. I could have watched it ahead of time before I did this interview. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I was posting about it on my Facebook when it first was out there. Oh, it's on Tubi or something. And I think That's I awesome. did. How, how did you did so you con did you contact Tubi and ask them if they uh, wanted? No, I. It was through my distributor, Indie Rights. Um, they're a film company based out of LA, and uh, it was—it's a real painstaking process to, with you know, for distributors. They, it has to um, meet their specifications. It has to be color correct. The film first has to be color corrected. Then you you yourself have to test it for sound to make sure there's no errors in the sound quality and it's not peaking, you know, the sound isn't peaking going over, over in the red zone or it sounds crappy because mm -hmm. otherwise they won't take care of it or they'll send it back or reject it and say, you have to do this again and it costs money again and something. And so it's a long, you know, tedious process, but it's worth it in the end to, cause they, cause this company, you know, Indie rights is very honest in my opinion. And, they get your product out there. I mean, they don't do a lot of advertising for it, unfortunately. That's something you have to do yourself. Of course. But it get, it doesn't get it on Shutter, unfortunately, but it does get it on Google Play, YouTube, Amazon Prime, and Tubi TV. You know, Tubi's the free one, as you know, if anyone doesn't know with the ads. The I, I would say. I would say Tubi is probably the most important one because you can tell anyone to download Tubi and go check out your movie. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the other ones you just have to, you know, you know, have to pay for either to purchase or rent. But I would, you know, but I would say if anyone, you know, to, if, if anyone really wants to help me out because the ads do help my business as full cinema, they pay for the movie is uh, check out Tubi TV. Now, not a lot of people want to watch it because it has ads. They get annoyed. Oh, we have to sit through six or five ads. But then I, go. Yeah. What the fuck? Like, what's the problem with some commercials and ads? We all went through growing up watching cable. Like, yeah. Really. And it's like, especially if you want to support a local or an indie producer like yourself. Like, yes, watch some fucking ads. So what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will check that out very soon. Hopefully, this uh, within this next coming this upcoming week, I'll check it out and I'll let you know how I feel about it. I'm very open minded about any type of horror movie. Um, yeah. Uh, real quick here, without going into spoilers, I'm sure Mike will enjoy hearing about this. I just watched Halloween Ends uh, earlier yeah. a few hours ago, and I everyone. Hmm. I was just gonna say I saw it, I it's I, I watched it on Peacock. Uh... What did you think of it without giving away any spoilers? I I I wasn't disappointed. It was different. It was I I consider yeah. it was a ballsy mo movie. It was it, it was a oh. I <laughs> What? I he I think he said I love you, but he always likes to cut himself off before he says his entire sentence. But um yeah, it's a ballsy movie. It uh yeah. it it goes its own route and you know I, I i it's polarizing you know you're either gonna love it or you hate it and i because yeah. I, I kind of was prepared ahead ahead of time like that it was going to be very different so i had an open mind going into it and i like 
slower paced, you know, character driven things. And that's what more so this was. And again, without giving away spoilers, the concept that this movie dived into, this really isn't entirely new for the franchise because you didn't you don't really hear people complaining about the end of Halloween 4 now do you so it's it's not really a, a brand new concept they just kind of elaborated on that that idea um some people will consider the movie a complete waste of time that's fine um you know even if it's a waste of time you got your last 15 minutes of the movie that was amazing that's what everyone wanted was that last 15 minutes if you didn't like the rest of the movie i don't know i liked it i i'll go into more detail on an, on another episode you know uh and you can be a part of that if you'd like uh whatever but yeah, um, i'll also look at my schedule but uh yeah i mean i'll just say I, the ending was satisfying um um, in terms of Michael Myers, um, I won't get into any spoilers, but I, you know, I just, I don't know. I, it, it was okay, but. Yeah. I see our buddy Amy, she's putting over Halloween ends pretty hard. I'm pretty sure that's what I see. She loved it. That's what I, that's what I just read. Uh, well, anyway. I guess I'll just say this. I mean, Michael Myers could have had more screen time, and that's all I'm going to say. I, I, that's a good point, you know. I, 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 people, and that, I think that's why this this entry is going to be one of the most talked about entries in the entire franchise, just because of how it was made, how polarizing it was, and you're either going to be on one side of the fence or the other side of the fence on it, and that's good. If at the end of the day, that's a good thing. I mean, aren't we every once in a while still to this day still having conversations about season of the witch because that's another polarizing Halloween movie. It's not even, it's not a Michael Myers movie, but it's a very polarizing, you know, very interesting balls to the wall. It's ballsy. You know, they took a chance. That's what these movies are doing. They're taking a chance. And uh, that's what I liked about this one. It took a chance on something different, but yet still gave us what that conclusion that we needed. And I don't know, like, we'll see. Well, everyone else can have an opinion and we do too. (laughs) I mean, Halloween. I wasn't bothered by Halloween Kills either, but a lot of people hate that one. Well, the way I see it also is Halloween Kills. That was the movie where they blew their load real quick, right? You got everything that you. That movie was pure carnage. You know, I'm pretty sure that. I'm pretty sure that installment had the most kills. Uh, the most, it was probably one of the bloodier ones. It probably, it might have been the bloodiest one, almost out of all of them, um, almost. Uh, it just, you know, that was your, that was your balls to the wall Halloween movie. Like they, they blew their load on that one. And was they really going to do that on this one? Was they really, cause you can't top everything they did in kills. So what do you do? You go a slightly different direction. And again, some people like it. Some people hate it. It, it is what it is. Like mm-hmm. I might have felt, I might have felt different about it. Had I paid to go see it in theaters, maybe, but I, you know, I saw it for free basically on Peacock. And so I have a problem. Yeah, me too. But anyway, let's go back. I I wanted to ask. So you talked a little bit about, you know, your, uh, the beginnings of when you fell in love with horror and all that. Now let's talk about um, how did you get into producing projects like this? How, How did you start all this? Well, 
And just to go back, um, I, you know, I will say that the only thing I liked out of special at high school years till 20, going till 21, um, was being part of the, the basketball team I was part of. That, that was okay. That was nice. But I will say that um, what got me started out was, and, and I'm still a part of them to this day, is Animatus Studio. Animatus, as it's a pun on it, you know, animation at us. And also, the I was a part of, it's no longer in existence at this special ed school. It was a program, but it wasn't part of the special ed school. It was separate. It was, they used to bus kids from different schools and, you know, high schools to go there. It's, it was called EMCC BOCES Radio and Television Broadcasting. And I that was an escape from, I would say, the crappiness of special the special ed program school or whatever I was a part of. And I got to do, even though I was told what I had to do for my, however, one project I really liked working on and it taught me how to, was a precursor stepping stone to where I am now was doing a short documentary for my thesis on Roger Corman, the filmmaker. It was, it was a short documentary uh, I did it, and because um, we were assigned, we have to do documentaries. We, we could pick any documentary we want to do, and it has to be appropriate. So I picked Roger Corman up till with the movies he directed that were in the 60s and 50s and all that. So was Roger keep... Corman was Roger Corman considered appropriate? You didn't have they didn't have no problem with that. Well, no, because the movies he directed in the 60s and 50s they weren't like the ones he produced, which were R-rated and very explicit. I stayed away from that. I, I mentioned in the short documentary that he produced years later, and he went back to directing Frankenstein Unbound. But I, uh, I, uh, but I, I tried to keep it PG, PG-13 as much as I could. So... Um, I'm sorry. I, I forgot to ask you something a few minutes ago. I don't want to forget this. Uh... You were talking a little bit about. I'm sorry, we're jumping all over the place. We'll get back okay. in a second. Uh, we were talking a little bit about 2B and what they uh, what they need you to do in order to get it on their service and all that. Do they have what? What's their censorship rules? Like, what do they tell you you're not allowed to have in a movie to be on there? Do they? Is there anything? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, besides having an aggregator or distributor for 2B. You know, and this is for a lot of the streaming sites, unfortunately, it's censorship is there can be no nudity or graphic sex or something like that. Simulated nudity or graphic sex or some bullshit or something. Really? I thought I've seen nudity on Tubi before. Yeah, it's 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 something, you know, they, they're really discriminating against independent films. And they're independent filmmakers that you know they don't want for some reason to have nudity or sex sexual images from coming from independent films, which doesn't make any sense. I, what do they think you got un, underage actresses or something? Like maybe that's what I don't know. I don't know. I well, all right. I was just curious because you know, like you said, yeah. just all these streaming services probably have that type of rule. So I was just curious. Right. But anyway, um, 
so what was we what was you talking what was you saying right before I asked you that question? Oh, um EMCC BOCES radio and television broadcasting in Rochester, New York, which doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Yes. That was the precursor to me moving on to doing my other films, you know, starting out basically doing like educational documentaries, but then as the time progressed, I moved into doing other the stuff I want wanted to really do, you know, with my art, you know, my films, like, uh, you know, I did, I, what was a precursor to moving on to the more, you know, popular stuff was Disability Hollywood, which is about, you know, history of people with disabilities and Hollywood films and TV and how things have changed and still can improve. And then I jumped ship from there to do Greetings from Tromaville about Lloyd Kaufman, a documentary about him in Troma Studios, Tromaville. And uh, then I did one on Joel and Reed with a co-director. Uh, Wait, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. Can we pause just for one second? I got to ask. Uh, tell me about how you got introduced to trauma movies. Uh, that was through the Toxic Avenger and the cartoon show. Because when I was real young, I even had a, a wicked side to me liking that kind of stuff. I liked... Um, Mutant League when I was real young because of the creepy creatures and all that and also the Toxic Avenger you I mean Toxic Procedures then I saw the VHS covers you know the, the I, it was, I was introduced when I saw this the, for Toxic Avenger Part 2 at a video store that's no longer around like any of them even Blockbuster called uh, the Toxic Avenger Part 2 and the video store was Video Barn and um I recognized the, you know, Toxie from the cartoon show and I, and the, you know, action figures I had or coloring book. And I said, Hey, I want to rent this. And she said, no, it's R rated or whatever. And then, you know, but and then I saw the other covers and then I find I was able to finally watch it a few years later when I was in middle school or going into high school, especially the fourth one. I should not have seen the fourth one at the age I did. I got the DVD, the uncut, unrated version from, again, Video Barn, the two-disc set. And um, I, I think had I, that Yeah, I still have that one. I bought it myself from the trauma booth when they was at a convention. And I saw it when I was 13 or, yeah, 13 years old. And I, I was, I was blown, really in love with it. I didn't see the other ones until a little later. But I, I did, I did really like fell in love with trauma after because of thanks to Toxic Crusaders and Toxic Avenger. Uh, you know, in, in my story of like trauma and how I got, it's almost very similar. Um, I I saw Citizen Toxie first also, and uh, I think I was 16, 16 or seventeen when I first seen it. And, <laughs> Yeah, it blew my fucking mind, and I, I, I also sat there and thought, like, man, there's nothing more gr grotesque and graphic than this movie. Like, I'll never see anything, you know, worse than this. And in a lot of ways, it is still the most outrageous movie that I've ever seen. Like, you know, I, um, I went to a convention uh, in 2007, I believe, and Troma was there, and Lloyd Kaufman mm -hmm. was there, and I got to meet him. 
Um, and I asked him, I said, what is the most fucked up movie that you guys have at your booth that I could buy? And without much hesitation, he said, Bloodsucking Freaks. Yes. So I bought, yeah. it. So I bought it. And oh boy, that movie. I, it's a well, good movie. I will say this. I, I bought the Blu-ray of Bloodsucking Freaks, the two-disc set at one of the trauma dance conventions. I... I was a little older when I got it, and I thought, uh-oh, I hope I didn't waste my money buying this because a lot of people are bad-mouthing and giving it shit on the Internet, like especially crappy Rotten Tomatoes and all that. But I watched it, and and I said, oh, this isn't that bad, in my opinion. And I, I, I think the reason I like it is – because the ending was satisfying. I really like the end that it's, you know, it's not just the good, it doesn't, the good guys don't come out, you know, winning at the end. The bad guys don't come out being the victors. Everyone dies. And of course there's one of the naked cannibal women eating a penis sandwich or something. Yeah. And, that, and that's where I was like, yeah, this is my type of ending for a movie. And, uh, and you know and, it's a well-made movie. It's it, like it might it's old and it's got some grotesque shit in it, but it's got good production value in it for what it yeah. is. Yeah, and I guess the reason I like it, even though a lot of people nowadays, like women, would say this is sexist and not my, you know, very horrible the way they're treating women and stuff. Um, I guess the reason I like it is because it's 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 a satire. It's a joke especially a satire on the theater, you know, on like stage theater and stuff like that. And it's especially in New York city for those days, what I mm -hmm. learned years later. And I mean, yeah, there's torture scenes and all these fetishes, but it's supposed to be a joke. You're not supposed to take it seriously. Right. And um, I guess the other reason I like it is because this kind of weird sexual relationship Ralphus, the little person, had you know the dwarf has with um, Sardu, you know the guy who's in charge, you know, of the show, you know, you know Sardis, the torture show or whatever. Right. But um, yeah, my doc that was the 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 other documentary I did, co-directed with my friend Jerry Landy. We. We, I went down to New York City to do that in, in December of 2018 when Joel and Reed was still alive. And um, uh, I went down there. Uh, I, I told Jerry that uh, when he was still on Facebook and alive, Joel, I, I asked him if I could interview him for this documentary about him. He agreed. Um, we went down there, we filmed him in his apartment, and it's probably the only known footage to be out there where he's telling his whole story from beginning to end, not just of his movies, but his childhood, his all his movies he did before then, and even Night of the Zombies, the movie he did after that, and his acting career, he had a few acting roles too, and... That documentary, it's on Troma now. You can see it on the the Troming streaming site Troma now. You have to subscribe. I think it's four ninety nine a month. Yeah, I, I I've checked it out before. Yeah, I think it's like, isn't it like? No, wait. Full Moon is twelve. Full Moon streaming is uh is expensive. But yeah, I but yeah, but Troma now is four ninety nine. It's worth 
seen it. I I don't think I I could get it out anywhere else on streaming because of the subject matter, you know, and like Tubi or anything. I, I yeah. doubt indie rights would take it. Um, but I think it's it's in the appropriate right place, which is Troma now. I do also have it on Vimeo to rent or buy, you know, Vimeo on demand, you know. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, that that was something I worked on, and I'm glad I did it because you know now Joel's passed away from COVID in the nursing home, and you know now if I didn't do that, it was just his story wouldn't have been known. I mean, it is it is in a book blood-sucking freak this book and I tried to interview I wanted to interview the author of the book who spent time with Joel and Reed but he turned out to be just he stood me up and blocked me on Facebook like an asshole and and all that but that's another story okay um so how do you get the money together for how many moves have you done so far two or just one um, I've done about, I would say nine films now, Ten, actually nine films, 10 counting one I wrote and edited and produced, but I didn't direct called Bury My Heart with Tonawanda, which is on Tubi now, but I didn't direct that film. That was done by someone who's native, uh, Seneca, Native American from the Tonawanda reservation that Bury My Heart with Tonawanda, but. It's a Native American movie about a guy, a boy with Down syndrome, gets taken in by the Seneca and Tonawanda Native Americans in the late 1800s. So that was when I my my movies were tame, going on the tame side. But now, as an artist, I want to explore new territory, as they say. You want to get brutal, goddammit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, I'm sorry. I thought you were only done a couple of movies from that's completed and you know out there for people. To, but you've done close to a dozen. Yeah. Wow. That's a man. That is great. How? What? This is what I wanted to ask. How do you get the funding together for everything? You know, I I can only even though it's low budget and it's indie stuff. There's still a lot of money that's got to go into. You got to pay your actors. You got to pay for the prop, yeah. blood and gore. Yeah, water, catering. Um, well, I'll give you an example. Um, since this was my first narrative film, I directed Clowns in the Woods. Um, I should say co-directed with my friend Kurt Markham, uh, who's also a filmmaker. Um, I got the money from that because my mom, she was hired to do direct the documentary about the Rochester, New York, Lithuanian community. And cause I'm Lithuanian partly. And, um, we, she was paid to do it. I edited it and that was her project, the Rochester Lithuanian. And we were, she was paid about 10,000 or $13,000. I forget the number, but it was around that. And we tried to raise, that the rest of the money on Indiegogo, we were successful a little bit, and then we did a um, we did a uh, a finishing funds campaign on Indiegogo, but it was brutal. It was really tough raising that money. It was extremely hard raising the money to 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 do Clowns in the Woods, and uh, it was uh, it was, but it was worth it in the end, even though. 
we filmed it on uh during co you know during covid uh you know 2020 you know you know i i decided we have to start and finish it this year and and also my mom she had just recovered some time ago from cancer and she said we're gonna finish this movie this year and do it at the cinema theater you know one of the scenes at the cinema theater which later got renovated because I don't know if I'm going to be alive or what's going to happen to me next year or whatever. So we were, we stood by, stood by our, stood by our guns and we said, we're going to finish this movie this year. And that's that. So we were able to pull it off, even though we had to follow COVID protocol here in New York state. And, uh, but it was, that was even tough, you know, cause you know, following the COVID protocol. I'm not going to get into any details about that, but it, it was just, you know, hard, especially with the catering, you know, we, we couldn't have open pizza, share pizza around because of COVID. We couldn't, you know, we had, we could have bottled waters, but we had to label the bottles. And we also had to, you know, the food had to be individually wrapped, you know, you know, sandwiches and stuff. So, it came up to, you know, everything adds up, and it came up to be the movie, the budget of the film, production, not post-production, but the production was $30,000 to do, and post-production was a little more, not too, it wasn't, it was a little bit, but not too bad. It brought it up to 35000 of post-production, you know, editing and stuff, so. Did you have to go back and do any reshoots? Is that why an extra 5000 was needed, or? No, it was mostly for post-production stuff, like getting some rights for footage, you know, paying the musician, you know, like it, it was mostly for the musician fee and also the foot, you know, some of the stock footage that you'll see in the beginning of the opening credits for Clowns in the Woods. The Some, some of it was public domain, but we tried to use as much public domain clown, you know, footage that we could, but a lot of it, we had, some of it we had to get from British Pathé, which was a pain in the ass, but it was pay for but you would think there'd be more free footage of old, tiny, you know, like newsreel clowns available for free on the internet, but yeah, nope. Um, did you have to deal with any of your actors or anybody on the crew being very anal about COVID and, and like how, you know what I mean? Like, was they, anybody getting upset because, oh, and I need to wear a mask at all times. You need to wear a mask. You know yeah. What I mean? yeah. But I'm not going to say any names or get into who they were. Of course. But there, there were some crew members and, you know, that didn't want to, uh, who just, were you know rebellious and didn't want to wear the masks and uh or they they did sometimes but sometimes they didn't and be for the behind the scenes which you can see on the blu-ray and dvd which you can get on walmart and amazon the blu-ray and dvd or behind the scenes documentary called uh uh burden of dreams the making of clowns in the woods i had to blur out their faces or do some cropping zoom in and cropping because they, they weren't wearing masks. And, you know, my, uh, my, my pro 
you know, editing assistant and some of the people who were wearing masks, you know, that were worked who work to this day close with me, they were saying, you know, you're going to get in people really making a big stink and really upset if they see this behind the scenes doc and they're, they're not wearing masks during when this was in production, which is 2020 and they're going to blah, blah, blah. So I had to play it safe and blur some of the faces. So people wouldn't say, Oh, she, he's, that person's not wearing a mask. So yeah, that, that, that was a problem. And also we had hired someone to, um, film the behind the scenes footage, you know, for clowns in the woods. And that person was taken away by some crew member, not going to say here were their position, but they were taken away and, uh, to do something for them, you know, sound and, you know, and that, that, that wasn't right. You know, it was, it was kind of a shady thing to do with the crew did this crew per, two crew people did. Yeah. But yeah, cause we were, we're paying this guy to film, you know, behind the scenes. And I wind up filming it with my camcorder on a monopod stick. And, you know, when I should be directing and, you know, just, and it, you know, that, so it was stuff like that. And you, I mean, you're stuck, you know, it was COVID and I, you know, of course, and if you fire them, you know, you're not going to get any, any other DPs or crew members because then, you know, because we couldn't find anyone because if we fire these crew members, then we're not going to get anyone else because it was COVID, like I said, and they're not, they're not going to want to do it because it's raging and people are dying and so forth. So it was, it, it was a fun, yeah frustrating time working on clowns in the woods i would i wouldn't i would like to say it was a lot of fun but there were frustrating tense you know tense times you know, how many days of shooting would you would you say that you guys did um say 21 days oh okay that's with not break, bad yeah with breaks in between for break you know, people, you know, days yeah. that were broken. Yeah. So, yeah, but it was it was fun and stressful, I will say. Now, you, so what is it that you have learned from Clowns in the Woods? Because that's so far your most prized possession, right? Clowns in the Woods up to this point. Well, I will say since this was the first time I co-directed a movie – as a director of a narrative film, I really have to get for the next film a script supervisor. I have to make sure the actors are following what's on the script as much as possible and don't ad lib and do what they want to do, you know, behind on cam, you know, on camera, do take over, you know what I mean? Take over because that was happening. Was there a lot of that? Them ad libbing? Um, not not a lot, but some of the uh, maybe one or a few actors were doing it. But I I um in like a campfire scene and an, another scene. But um, did you keep the scenes in, or did you make them redo it? We kept them in. It, we kept them in. It was uh, but 
I remember I was showing the film to a friend, and they were saying, oh, there's a lot of F-bombs. Oh, you know, and it's like, ugh. I mean, I, I'm, I'm okay with a lot of curse words, F-bombs, and that, but not everyone's going to like that. Mm. So, I, uh, and, and, you know, and I was told today by a friend, well, you know, it wasn't a problem when you shot the movie. Well, yeah, of course, because... You know, I, I want to be on schedule and everything's stressful and I want to get this done. So, of course, it's not going to be a problem. It's when you see the final product that you realize, man, I should have been more in control, you know. So that's what's something I need to be in to do. I need to, you know, be polite and tell the actors, okay, ad lib, but don't go totally crazy with a lot of F-bombs and a lot of doing excessive stuff. Please try to stay on uh, to the script as much as possible and don't go the way you want to go with it. You know what yeah, I mean? I get that. I, I guess like anybody who I would think, anybody who's a fan of horror movies but also watches indie horror movies should know that there's going to be a lot of vulgarity, though, in these right, right. horror movies. I would expect. I just watched one. I watched a, a weird, really low-budget movie on Screenbox the other day. It was called A Hundred Tears or something like that. Oh, yeah, with the killer clown. Yeah, and I liked it. Like, it, it was pretty low-budget, but I liked it for what it was. You know, it was vulgar. It was bloody. You know, I think there are some titties in it, I think. But I, I liked it. I, so if I can like a movie like that, like... But, I, like, I'm expecting to see something not socially... Okay. You know right. what I mean? I, I, I know, I know. I guess, I guess it's all right. I just, you know, for the future films, I mean, I guess, you know, if, if some vulgarity, you know, in my opinion, but if you want to make it, I guess where I'm coming from, if you want to make it more, sell, you know, commercial and more people to see it instead of just a niche special audience, you know, I mean, I, I'm all for that. I'm just saying. Yeah, I get know, it. I'll catalog it in my head to for future reference to maybe not so much with them going off and doing what they want to sometimes just you know be more in control and yeah. you know in in be hold on to the reins a little more you know but, but be you know like I said be nice yeah you know don't be too mean you know be be a nice person about about it but so let me ask you this: Are you interested in all at all in making, you know, like a horror movie, but it more for like a family-friendly horror movie, like a PG thirteen? Um, I don't know. Um, maybe in the future, I haven't thought of thought of a story like that yet, but it might happen eventually. But I mean, I do like the Monster Squad. That's mm -hmm. that's. The Goonies meet the Universal Monsters. That was pretty cool, right? But um, I have nothing comes to mind. So, so you, yeah. you, your comfort zone is like an R-rated film to make, but a little bit more on the classier side of an R-rated horror film, right? Like I guess an example would be um the first House. Well, actually, because uh, I haven't seen three or four, but House one and two. Th those are both. R-rated films, but they're a little bit more on the classier side, wouldn't you say? Well, again, me personally, it doesn't bother me. I mean, I 
I'll, I'll watch the very vulgar. I mean, I saw a sausage party and they had a lot of, you know, vulgarity, especially the food orgy scene at the end, but that's not a horror movie, but just giving an example of vulgarity. Um, but, and I like that film. I know a lot of people don't like sausage party, but, um, I'm just saying, you know, sometimes people with people, people's thoughts and what they say can, can affect your way of thinking sometimes. Of course. You know, if you hear, if you hear it so many times, so many times, oh, too many F-bombs, or like my mom says, or too many F-bombs, like this friend of mine said, then um, it affects your, in my opinion, it can affect your judgment and thinking of what you want to do for future films. But yeah. to answer your question, uh, um, it depends on the mood I'm in. I, I can watch a, a horror movie with a lot of vulgarity and stuff, depending on the mood I'm in. If I'm in a happy mood, good mood, oh yeah, hell yeah, I'll watch it. But if I'm in a really depressed or upset mood, or want you know, or just don't feel that not don't really want to do that now, I'll watch something else that you know isn't so extreme. Um, have you ever? Can you think of any horror movies off the top of your head that t offends you or that takes it too far? What like something that you don't want to revisit? Uh, yeah, I think the horror movies that a uh, franchise that has taken it too far because I don't know if I could watch it. Um, is I forgot what the name of it now. It's direct. It's directed by the same guy who did the final interview. It's uh. Shoot, it's it's uh. Hold on a second, let me look it up. Uh, okay. Uh, well, I know, I know what it is. It's uh. Are are you still with me? Yeah. Well, uh, while, you're, while you're thinking and while you're researching that, I'll just give you an example for me. Like for me, I don't like to see real animal slaughter and horror movies. Right. Well, well, I well one film is the cannibal holocaust that's when i can't really get to walk get myself right. to walk. because that had that to, again that has real animal slaughter in it right it's uh let me see um oh i know what it, i remember what it was called it was the movie it's a it's a trilogy of them it's uh let me make sure i'm right um august underground I was. I thought you were gonna say that. I have copies of those, but I haven't watched them just yet. Yeah, me neither. I haven't watched. Them. I know a lot about them from people who have talked about them and stuff on documentaries, movies, and shows. Like there's a scene, you know, and it's just you know torture porn or you know serial killer torturing women and all that. Where it's not my cup, especially one of the movies where. Um. You know, this woman defecates and he takes it and puts shoves it back up there, the serial killer, and it's like, uh uh, not for me. Now, uh, for, explain to us what uh, defecate is, if for anyone that might not know. Poop. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to make sure everyone knew that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, because it, it's not the subject matter that keeps me away from August Underground. It's just uh, it, it doesn't sound interesting to me. It's not that yeah. I don't. It's not that I don't think that I can't handle it or anything like that. Yeah, um, like I do plan eventually to watch to because I haven't for a long time. I don't know why, but 
I do want to watch the hum the first one at least the first Human Centipede. Oh, you haven't watched those yet? No, no. Though I like those movies. Yeah, I have to watch. I have to watch the first one because um. Uh, I, I, I know about it. I know South Park made an episode making fun of it, so I do have to check it. Get get myself to check it out. The first Human Centipede is just all hype. I mean, it's not that it's not a good movie. It is. It's a, it's interesting, but it, there's not much that's graphic in the first one. It, the second and third one are graphic. Ah, uh, the third one is very cancelable. Like it's it's cancel worthy because the third one has a, uh, a a warden that is over the top racist and sexist and everything in between. Like they just have and and by the way, I love it. Because I love dark, offensive things when you know when actors and, and characters go that route and say the most disgusting thing. But there are some really over the top. I mean, I think that one. I think Human Centipede three came out in the late twenty tens. I think um, maybe 2017, 2018, something like that. And that was just a time period where things were just starting to become pussified in this society. But if, if people looked at that movie now, the third one, oh my god. I mean, and the guy who played the warden, just the same guy who played the scientist in the first one, he's dead now. Um, if he was alive, he'd probably get canceled or threatened or something for the shit that he was okay with saying in the third movie. I won't repeat any of it, of course, but yeah, if you decide to watch those movies, watch all three of them, because all three of them are well worth the watch. Uh, are they... They they're not they're separate they're not you know chronological sequels right um I I, I mean it, you can tell that the the second one takes place after the first one the third one takes place out of the second one but I, I guess you, you don't really you don't have to watch one and two if you wanted to jump into the third one you wouldn't have to watch one and three if you just wanted to watch the second one you know what I mean it, it, no yeah, I guess not like. It's not like Marvel Universe, yeah. No, yeah, no, it's nothing like that. So, but yeah, I definitely suggest you watch them. Um, the director, Tom Six, I don't know if he ever finished it, but he was supposedly directing a movie about, and he showed a, a teaser trailer for it, and it just showed these middle-aged women masturbating to 9-11 footage. And I'm like, what uh, the fuck? And I, when I saw that, I was like, "Man, I gotta see this movie cause, just because of how fucking absurd it, it's gonna be." But um, right. no, I haven't heard anything about him as a director or anything in a long time. So it's maybe he just stopped making movies. I don't know. I, maybe our producer can research that for us while we're talking. I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I do suggest at least watching the first Human Centipede. I'd say the first one is a good story. You know what I mean? Good setup and and you know good pacing, and then the second one is just pure filth. And I don't even mean that as a bad thing. It's just it's balls to the wall nasty. The second one is, um, and then the third one is just a very offensive movie. <laughs> like mm. that's how I can describe all three of them to you. Okay. Well, <laughs> all right. I'll try to check them out. I'll check out the first one and report back. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, we talked a, a lot about Clowns in the Woods. You gave us a lot of insight on that. Let's talk about this current movie that you're... Are you in the middle of writing the this this disability movie? Um, 
Well, it, there is a full script of it. It's 92 pages. Um, I do have uh, my teacher and uh, um, editing assistant uh, and a friend, Mike Bo. He's also involved in filmmaking, Mike Boas. He is doing some touch-ups, you know, some little tweaks, some tweaks to the story, you know, to even maybe even things out a little bit and to um, maybe add a little tiny bit of character development and, you know, stuff like that. But he's not changing the whole thing or anything like that or it, taking, adding big chunks or whatever. But that movie is basically about... A boy, a guy with Down syndrome, young guy, Billy Bates, and at a uh, New Year's Eve uh, party that he's his, he's celebrating at his group home, he slips, you know, on vomit, hits hits his head, goes into a two year two or three year coma, you know, it might be three year, it depends if I change it. And he wakes up and discovers our country has been turned into a brutal dictatorship because of President Kruger, who has put all people with disabilities into institutions or concentration institutions, as it's called in the script. And he gets word when, that um, there's this rebel, rebel alliance with Native Americans and people with disabilities resistance group, you know, on the Black Hawk Reservation. I'm sorry, yeah. did, you, did you say black cock? Is that what you just said? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just yeah, originally in the script it was going to be Trauma Hawk, but because I really originally it was going to be set in Tromaville, be a trauma script, but Lloyd said, oh, this isn't a script we can do. You know, this isn't a movie we can do. So I had to change some things around, liberties and stuff, make it my own, make it my own world, Donville instead of Tromaville, like in Clowns in the Woods, everything's going to be in Donville again. Now why Why do you think uh, Lloyd didn't want nothing to do with it? Is he afraid to do a disability story? I don't know. That's something you'd have to ask him. Um, yeah, you got me guessing. Um, but he, um, but going back to the story, so he joins the resistance group and basically joins forces with, you know, with them to put an end to Kruger's reign of terror. That's the story in a nutshell. But it's basically the first um, Wait, action like ramble. I'm sorry, I have to ask you something. I'm getting a little bit of a weird mic. Are you hearing what I'm hearing? The I'm, I'm hearing a weird audio glitch. Is anybody else hearing that? Does it sound like some kind of tape? Tick, tick noise or something? Yeah, I don't, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm hearing it on my end. Mike, are you there? Are you uh, hearing this? Very faint with me. Okay. I'm, I hope the audience isn't hearing it as much as I'm hearing it, but uh, apparently our producer has fallen asleep because he's not coming in. So. Uh, all right. I was going to say that, you know, you know, no, wait, I hear it. I hear it too. It's very like heavy on my end. Let me go to YouTube and see. Just keep uh, keep going with it. Let me see how it sounds like. Okay. Sorry. 
Yeah. Adrian, is there, let, me, let me try to remove you and bring you back in. Hold on one second. Yeah, because I'm not hearing it when you're talking, Mike. And are you hearing it? I'm sorry, Adrian. We're having a little bit. Yeah, hang on. Hang on one second. Let me try this. Talk for a second. Yeah, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I hear you okay. Do you hear me all right? Yeah, it's. I think it's unfortunately just on his end. I don't know what we're going to do about that. Let me. All right, let me try to bring him back in and see. All right, let me see. Okay, try it again, Adrian. Um, okay, so. Yeah, I don't know what's yeah. going on. Should we ask yeah. um, to exit out and come back? You know what? Is there a way, Adrian, that you can exit out of the studio and then just come back? And then I'll bring you in when you come back. Okay. Okay. All right. Try that. All right. Thanks. Yeah, because if we can't, okay. the audience, the people who's viewing this episode won't be able. No, to I just went. I just went to YouTube, and it was like all feedback, so it was not. He sounds like Darth Vader with cancer at the moment, right? Yes. <laughs> oh God, yes. Um. All right. Now I got to get out of YouTube because. It start. I started to hear double me, and I can't stand that. <laughs> I um, feel bad. It's we were having a great conversation. I'm going to turn my volume down just a bit too. Yeah. Okay. So he's coming back in. Let's let's. Okay. I'm going to bring him back and let, let's give this a shot again. See. Hopefully we're. Okay. How's uh? Can you hear how's us? That? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay. There we go. Yes. That's okay. We're good. We must have had just some weird feedback or something. I'm not sure what happened. I'm I'm sorry about that, Adrian. That's okay, but so like I was saying, I got the idea for that. Um, I wrote the script originally in 2016 in hopes that it would be a to that it would be you know a trauma film. You know, Lloyd would direct it and all that, but you know, he said he that's not something we can't do. You, you know, because, you know, probably, I don't know if it's because it's a political satire or not, but, um, it, it does, it does make you think though, doesn't it? Cause like, you think like, what the, what would Lloyd Kaufman turn down? Like it's, it wasn't the budget. It, it, like it had to have been something to do with the subject matter. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but. Hmm. Oh well. But I've been, mean, you know, it's just been a real bitch finding financing investors through the years. And uh I did a pitch, you know, like a sizzle reel video, and that didn't seem to budge anyone. Then um, but now I now that I've done clowns in the woods as a proof of concept to show people what I can do as a director. And it might, and it's a good movie too. I'm hope well. I'm hoping it's people think it's good enough to invest into this one. You know, I'm gonna have the an Indiegogo page up for Clowns in the Woods in um, January. So uh, with a new pitch video I did. 
So hopefully, you know, I can get the financing for this for at this time and uh, with the right channels and people, it will happen. And uh, this time I'm gonna go for either fifty or seventy thousand, some or maybe somewhere in between. But you know, hopefully, hopefully it will happen. But um, yeah, I'm 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 rooting for you, man. I hope it happens. Yeah. I'm I, I now that I now that I know Clowns in the Woods is on Tubi, I'm definitely going to be watching that very soon. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah, I. You said I, the ads give you money when when if I watch it and the ads play, that helps you out. Yeah, yeah. All right. But I wanted to say, um, you know, I did have a part as written in the script for this character. It's a parody on QAnon. It's a it's a character called Pianon. I remember I was telling you about that on Messenger. I was hoping, you know, you I could bring you up, you know, Rochester, the Buffalo area, to have you be in the film. But I know transportation's are a problem for you. Yeah, I just like I told you in private, like I don't foresee me being able to do something like that. If you had like a part in a film where I could be on StreamYard or or Zoom or Skype or something like that. And I don't yeah. know what, what sense that would make, but if you had a part like that, something I could do that for you, I could do that definitely. But yeah, right now in my life, I don't have enough people. I'm, I'm barely getting taken care of on a daily basis. Uh, you oh. know, I don't really have people that love the idea of traveling or love the idea of independent horror. And I, I it would just be one hard pitch for me to give to them like, Hey, you know, come with me to New York so I can do this independent film. And you know what I mean? Like it's it just, it's too tough for me right at the second. Right yeah. Second. I mean, I appreciate it though. Yeah. There is one person. I mean, I'd have to ask him. I mean, he's, he's, a he, he might be in, I think he's, he's agreed to be in the film. He's, he's out. He's a, a comhab for a person with a disability. Uh, Josh Cole, I'd have to talk to him about coming to pick get you if you're interested in transporting you up there. But that's again, that's up, that's up to him. And because I, I think you, you know, I think it'd be cool if you got your big break in the film, you know. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, that would be interesting. I know I could act. I know I could. You know, I, yeah. uh, I did something for a buddy of mine years ago, but he ended up never completing the film. It uh. was it was called the dead among us. And, uh, we had, we did this scene where these two army guys were walking through a, a, a school supposed to be an abandoned school. And they're having a conversation about how they've seen it all. You know, they've seen everything you could see in the zombie apocalypse. And as they're saying that here comes this crippled zombie in a powered wheelchair coming around the, the bend, which is me. I was all in, all in zombie get up, you know, I, I need to try to find the picture of it so I could send to Mike so he could send to everyone. But, uh, uh, yeah. And then, uh, they didn't kill me because the, the, the hilarity of it was they were so shocked to see a handicapped zombie just as they were talking about, they've seen it all that I just kind of like, I just kind of drove right past them. You, know <laughs> I mean? and you can just imagine that scene's funny just to even think about, um, <laughs> I never got to see the whole movie because he never finished it. And then, you know, and uh, oh, well, but uh, it was an interesting thing. I never got paid for it either. I, yeah. I went 
through three hours of getting all that shit on me. And oh, that sucks. Yeah, I would I would definitely pay you something if I would, if I could get you transportation up here. I appreciate it. You know, we'll talk about it as time goes. Um, I right at the moment, I don't know how it would work, but we you never know. We can make something. Uh, I, the only person I think who could do it would be Josh Cole, but. Again, I'd have to ask him because he's traveled long distances um, with with the person he works with to um, to you know like places out of state and all that you know you know as you know working with him. So I don't if I ask him you know and he comes with him. I, I don't know. I have to get see. Him. And you also have to you also have to keep in mind the disability that I have. I can't take care of myself. So right. We're talking not just someone for transportation. We're talking we need someone to wipe my fucking ass. And yeah. that, that's and that you know who the fuck wants to do that. And as the disabled person myself, I don't even know if I want to put my my life and my safety in someone's hands who I don't know. You know, right. that's that's why I'm saying, my friend, I don't know if it's gonna work this time around. Yeah. But I, but I, I, I I know him. He he works for Heritage Christian, I think. Josh and he, you know, I'm just saying who this guy is. I'm not okay. And he, 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 he does work with other people with disabilities. I, I'd have to talk to him and send him this, send him this show and a link to see if you know, you know, this is something you want to do, or maybe have you guys connect on Facebook to get to know each other before you, you know, you like you said, you put your life in his hands. For of course. Time. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, any like people that's within our rabbit and red crew, like Rob, I'd put my life in his hands. I trust him. I trust Mike. I trust Aaron. You know what I mean? Cody Robinson. You know what I mean? Like, so it doesn't take much for me to feel like I can trust someone if they say they want to take care of me for the sake of doing something like this. Okay. You know, so we'll see. Anything's possible. Yeah. Yep. And then who knows, maybe someday in the long distance future, you can uh, write me uh, into a sex scene of some sort. Just imagine how many hits we'll get with that. <laughs> There's actually a movie that, that, that it's on Vimeo, some on Vimeo somewhere, but it's, it's the fe the full feature film. It's called uh, by Crispin Glover. What is it now? That's a trip. Um, he did a sequel called, Fine, everything is fine. But the first movie he did—it's a sequel to the first one. But the first one, Crispin Glover did. It's a total art house, off the walls, crazy movie. It's a, it's, it's a. He's in it, Crispin Glover, and it's a. It has actors with Down syndrome in it, and a guy with cerebral palsy who wrote the script. And it's really crazy. The first one, what is it? The second one is downright pornographic, where a guy with cerebral palsy is, you know having sex with women and stuff. So, and that's weird too, but it's that one. I don't think you can get anywhere, but for some reason, what is it is on Vimeo, the full film. And there's some racist stuff in there, uh, like a dancing minstrel and, you know, some song, racist song in there, but it's. If what you, year does it come out? What year? 2005. Okay. I mean, and again, you got to think about what can be commercial and what has the biggest audience. Me personally, I, I, I mean, I learned. Sorry to interrupt you. I'm just saying I learned about what is it because it was shown. Crispin Glover was there in person, and it was shown at the Drive-In Theater, George Eastman House, locally here where I was. And 
my mom was embarrassed that I saw that film with me at that place because she thought it was to promote people with disabilities in a good way or whatever. And when she saw it with the, this, the nudity, the, the sexual stuff and uh, the explicit sexual stuff and, and the offensiveness and all that, she was like totally embarrassed. But, you know, it was, it was quite a, it was quite a film. I, that's how I learned about it. And then I was glad when somebody put it on Vimeo years later, the right. film. Hey, I gotta ask because we're talking about explicit sexual uh, stuff in movies. Have you ever seen Gutter Balls? No. <laughs> the way that you answered that—that <laughs> that was, was a great way to answer that fucking question. <laughs> Gutter Balls is a legit movie. It's it's on Screenbox. I don't know if it's on Tubi or whatever. Um, but it's it's known for having like it has graphic sexual scenes in it, like it, wow. uh, it, like it it shows stuff. But um, it it's it's known for it has a ten minute rape scene in it where this girl mm. gets gang raped uh by this you know group of college guys, and at the end of the scene they they rape her with a bowling ball pin. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what the movie is. It's a revenge, like slasher film. No, it sounds that sounds like something that some of the, some of the hentai's I know about. You know, the Japanese anime hentai's. Yeah, those. I mean, I I can't even watch those either because it's because they for a lot of them they glorify rape, gang rape, and it's all animated to anime style. You know. Yeah, to me, if it's animated, it don't matter what what's depicted. In, in a movie, if it's fake and it's all consensual, doesn't matter to me. I, like I said, my my only um, limit for me is just like anything real, like real animal slaughter. I don't want to see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I watched a movie a few years ago on Shutter called Necromantic. If you ever heard of that one, and that's another movie that has a uh, real animal slaughter in it. It's oh, like yeah. one and only time I'm gonna watch this movie. So, did, you, did you ever see? Have you seen the sadness yet on Shutter? Yes, fucking fantastic. Yeah, I like that movie. Fucking fantastic. Yeah. I'll watch, I'll watch a subtitled movie if I think it's going to be good. Like for an example, um, that new Dario Argento movie just went on Shutter a couple of days ago. Is it called Dark Glasses? And I, I'm going to watch that soon. There's another movie I haven't seen the trailer yet of it either. That's how embarrassed I am. It's called Piggy. I have her. I didn't see a trailer either, but I know what it's about, and I want to watch it. I because that's another like revenge type of. Well, what is it about? I think it's about um a woman that's like overweight, and I I don't know if she gets picked on or if she gets attempted, like she almost gets killed. I don't know, but she basically goes after her bullies. I think. Uh Mike, if you know about this, come in and correct me because I I don't know much about it either, but I do know that I I want to see Piggy for sure because I heard that it won some sort of nominated award or something at a fan fest or something like that so it's like it's got to be good and i haven't even heard is it, i don't even think it's coming to shutter or anything that that i have yet oh wow i don't think okay. um yeah what uh i just watched the trailer uh because i was watching something the other night uh and then i saw on voodoo uh that new jeepers creepers movie i think it's called jeepers creepers reborn yeah 
I saw the fucking score for it. It's got like a 0% audience score. I watched the trailer and it, the trailer doesn't look terrible. Like, I don't know. It doesn't look all that bad. It might be a, a decently entertaining movie for all I fucking know. And I, I'll, I'll watch it someday. Yeah, um, there's also, um, you know, Rotten Tomatoes, I don't know. It, it even gave a shitty it one, not even one, a one star believe, but a little one star for Blood Sucking Freaks. Um, but yeah, it's. it's that, so that's what I wanted to ask you real quick because we were on a quick subject of Jeepers Creepers. As we know, the the um, the director of the original uh, trilogy, he got himself in a lot of trouble. What was it, yeah. back in the 80s or 90s? I wanted to ask, are you the type of fan to separate the art from the artist, or do you just, it, is it tainted? Like, okay, I can't like the Jeepers Creepers films because I know what the guy did. Um, That's hard to answer, but um, I guess... My people who I know have kind of influenced me to taint it, but I might give the series another try. I don't know, but I don't feel that way about Jerry Lewis because I, since a young boy, I, I used to like his movies. I know he's been tainted a lot with what he's, what he, how he's treated, you know, dealt with muscular dystrophy and all that for his telethon and all that, but I. I I can sep for Jerry Lewis for some people I can separate the artist from the you know from the person um like I, I I think for me I mean this is just me I don't you know you don't have to feel you know influenced or pressured to say anything what I'm gonna say but like I personally like okay for an example I'm a wrestling fan and yeah. you know I I still like Chris Benoit matches and I know what he did. You know, yeah, I, I agree. I, yeah, I, I agree. I like Chris. I like wrestling matches. Chris Benoit. That doesn't bother me. That then doesn't taint me. But I mean, not. I mean, the, the the person. I don't taint the the wrestling even show with the individual. Mm -hmm. I just watch it for what is. Even I guess it's case by case, right? It's really case by case. Like, what did they do? What was the severity? Did they serve their time? I think that's what it kind of comes down to. For yeah, me. and I guess the reason I can forgive Chris Benoit too is because a lot of that hatred went to got put put onto his son. They blamed his son for some reason, even though he didn't. It wasn't his fault, and he didn't do any of that stuff. They held him responsible. Mm. And so I thought, you know, since Cody's, I mean, Chris Benoit saw was held responsible and did his time for something his father did, then I think I can be forgiven now. But yeah, I mean, the other thing is Chris Benoit had severe brain damage because of the hits he took with the metal chairs and it was much, his brain was deteriorating and he went crazy. Yeah. So it wasn't, I think. I don't know. I don't. I think it wasn't totally his fault, but it's half and half the way I see it. You know. Right. Right. It's kind of just one of those things that, like, it is what it is. You can't change it, and but it's hard to take away the nostalgia and the good memories that you have of his storylines, his matches. He was one of the best. Right. Yeah, I know, and uh, but um. I was gonna. What else was I gonna say? I was gonna say. I the other person 
I kind of, I wish he wasn't a, a pedophile. He's been accused of it, and there's a lot of evidence hinting towards it as Woody Allen because some of his, like, aunts I used to like as a kid and, of course, Annie Hall. But um, a lot of his stuff I, I don't watch because he's been tainted, but some of it, like Annie Hall and, like I said, aunts, I can I can tolerate and watch that. But, mm. give him, you know, for some of his movies, a lot of them are pretty crappy in my opinion. But um, I don't think I've seen much of his. Yeah, yeah, but um, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I, the one film I don't want to see though, I, I, I try, I'm gonna, I try my best to separate what, what happened, the person from the movies, the Clown House movie, because I know on the set of that he, he did, I think he did sexually molest or did something to one of the child actors on the set of that. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's uh, really no excuse for that shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, So, you know, we're, we're winding down on our interview tonight. We can, uh, any other little tidbit things you want to talk about, we can before we sign off. I do want to bring up one other thing, though, because you, you know every once in a while on these episodes, i got to bring up some controversial subjects. I want to bring up how I met you. First time I ever met you was actually on the very first episode of this show, and that was with Anthony, right? Right. Yeah. So, and you were one of the people that called in and and didn't spray out any mean things at Anthony. You guys had a good conversation. Talk to me a little bit about um, from your perspective how you met Anthony and what you're like uh, from your perspective how did things break down with all of that and and how do you feel about it nowadays also if you don't mind talking about this well, you um, sure I'll, I'll talk about a little bit um i met anthony I, first of all you have to forgive me uh, i forgot his full name anthony calmino yeah that's how you pronounce it calmino I, yeah i don't think i'm pronouncing one yeah, hundred pronounce it samino or samino come on I think it's Almino, I think. Yeah, I I met him on Facebook and he was doing his Joker film, of course, the bat the killing joke. That's how I met him. I connected with him on Facebook through that. Um and then, you know, I tuned in because he was posting about your show and um I I just tuned in, you know, I I, I tuned in very late, so I missed all the chaotic Jerry Springer, Rod, you know, stuff that was happening. So I just wanted to call in the pitch, you know, clowns in the woods and, you know, you know, say hi, you know, stuff like that. You know, I didn't want to be confrontational because, you know, I mean, that's not how you, you know, make friends or allies in this business, you know, in my opinion, in this industry, in this business. I mean, right. God knows I've caught, I've, pissed off a lot of people on stupid Facebook, you know, on social media, just from a little thing I post and a few people who become tribalistic, take it the wrong way and they get pissed off at me, unfriend me or block me. Man. I mean, real quick here, you see, cause I used to be of the mind setting that I didn't want to offend people, but now I just said, fuck it. And you see the shit that I post. I, I, people get pissed off about my post. Go fuck yourself. I don't care. You know what I mean? I wish I wish I had that mentality, but it's just, you know, as a person with a disability, you know, autism, um, I really 
don't have, unfortunately, I don't have a lot of friends to socialize with at home, you know, to hang out with in the community and so forth. Um, I mean, I see a few people, but, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like that stigma and mentality that, you know, kind of like this mentality I've been, I've kind of gotten, you know, kind of have, you know, I'm not sure of myself type attitude. You know what I mean? Like where yeah. I have to walk around eggshells, especially on Facebook and around other people. Otherwise I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. That's kind of been instilled in me a lot. And I mean, I know it's, it sucks ass and it's, it's not well, true. It, it's, it's not a bad, cause I go through it too. Um, I don't not go through it. I probably sometimes come off as if I don't care at all. If I never had, if I don't have any friends, but you're right, right. man, it's not true. I, me personally, and I, and it's not because, oh, I socialize better than you do, or I, yeah, right, right. It, it's just because I, I got into a lucky situation where I got introduced to people that I, I, they understand me. And I have friends who will tell me flat out, Hey Cody, I don't agree with everything you say. And I say, Hey, that's cool. You don't have to agree with it. Just please don't put me down for it. And I won't ask you to agree with anything. Right. But, you know, the words that will come out of my mouth that, that you don't have to let those words come out of your mouth. You know what I mean? That, that type of thing. Um, and that's why, you know, I can post anything I want on Facebook and it's been years since anyone's really tried to attack me over it. Uh, pe people just scroll past it or just say Cody's just being Cody. You know what I mean? But I do agree with you that even though I wouldn't sacrifice my freedom of speech, uh, I do sometimes always, I always think to myself like, man, what if all my friends do turn their back on me? Because we do live in a time period where, you know, society is becoming very soft. Everyone wants to be a goody two shoes. You know, everyone wants to follow all of these cancel yeah. culture, socially acceptable rules. And I call, it, like, I, I call it politically correct fascism. I mean, yeah. And the thing is, and this is the frustrating thing for me is I have friends that I've known for 10, 15 years and all of these friends, they've, I, you know, I've never had a hateful friend. I've never had a friend that was hateful. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. I I've never, I guess I know I, it's how easy is it to have a friend who is secretly racist or secretly sexist or anything like that. But I've thankfully never had any friends that was actually hateful towards black people, gay people, women, anything like that. Uh, actually, if anything, I've actually encountered a few people that was in the closet phobic against handicapped people. And I, oh. can, yeah, isn't that weird? Like, you would think that I would I would encounter the other ones first, but instead the only thing I've ever really encountered was true handicap phobic people or whatever uh, you want to call them. Um, and you can point them people out right off the bat because those are the people that don't want to make eye contact yet eye contact with you. They don't want to have a conversation with you. Um, and a lot of people will say, "Well, it's just because they just don't know you," and let them get a chance. No, there's a difference between. You just don't know someone as an acquaintance or a friend. There's a difference between that and someone actually showing off that they're uncomfortable with your existence just because of the way you are. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. That's cool. Not cool. I I've encountered those people. Now, of course, I never tried to be friends with those people because it's like, hey, you're you're 
prejudice against me. So no, I don't want nothing to do with you. But um, all of my friends throughout the years have always been a lot. I should say the majority of them, not all of them, but a lot of my friends have always been a lot more like laid back, like, okay, if the wrong person isn't around, then I can say things that you wouldn't be able to say in a group of people, you know, that type of mentality. But man, for the last three, four, five years, everything has changed. And then, you know, especially ever since the events that took place in May of 2020, which I won't, you know, get into too much, but uh, ever since that, it's like, man, now everybody feels like they got to take a side. And now those same exact people who were always very laid back and didn't really give a fuck now are like, well, no, I can't say that word. I can't talk about that. I can't have that opinion. And and it's especially, yeah. And it's especially affecting what we, what we can say and do in comedy, our art. Because, and there was an old, there was an old skit that stays true to this day of the animated cartoon show, Duckman. Where it's an episode, a very good. I'll send you the the link when I uh, when I can on Messenger. It's where there's this politically correct comic, you know, played by another bird or animal, and then Duckman comes on the stage and kind of set and gives a speech about how, you know, be, let comedy offend you, let it this and that, you know, don't don't let it be this mush, you know. You know, and this was very revolutionary for its time when it came out. You know, Duckman, this episode, you know, Duckman, the show is very, it was ahead of its time. But if, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised no, a lot of people aren't posting this clip on um, social media and stuff where, you know, who are against politically correct fascism and cancel culture or whatever, you know, because it's, it's very true, you know, what he says, his speech, you know, his statement he makes. You know, Jason Alexander from Seinfeld voiced this character. It was it wasn't it was not a kids' cartoon show, but it, it was very ahead of its time and made the point what we're saying. You know about comedy and your art, what you want to say without being lampooned or thrown down a flight of stairs or whatever. You know. Yeah, um, and I always you know I, it's so weird. I'm at this point in my life right now where I literally have friends and acquaintances in every single adult age group that there is. So I know people who are in their late teens, early 20s. I know people who are in their 60s to 70s. You know what I mean? And I I always tell my younger friends like, hey, sit down and watch a movie called Tropic Thunder because your precious Iron Man did blackface the entire fucking movie and nobody complained because it wasn't hateful. It was comedy. It was just a movie. No, You know, like, nobody, the blacks didn't have a problem with it. Nobody had a problem with it. That was a a popular movie at the time. But, you know, you they can do that now. Well, people, this, the, the 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 disability community they really roasted that movie because of the old oh, the R word or whatever. Oh, because the word retards in it. I didn't even yeah, know. That. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I they, were, they were talking about, about that and Simple Jack. Well, okay. Well, what about uh, what about was it called The Ringer? Did does the did they have a problem with yeah, that? One? Well, no, because according to a friend of mine, Edward Barber, now who was in that movie, who has Down syndrome, the you know, the Special Olympics and Tim Shriver, um, they sponsored it and they were supportive of it. Or for oh. Them. Yeah. 
and and the ringer was not a hateful movie it that was a very fun yeah. movie i thought yeah yeah it's in, it's in my document talked about in my documentary by johnny knoxville and yeah and uh edward barbanel it's in my documentary Diffability hollywood so yeah, yeah. We'll talk about it but yeah it's uh yeah it's 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 gotten out of control my friends uh one of my friends uh luther he he he, he was he was jester the jester clown in my clowns in the woods movie with the mr punch puppet he he's been he's talking he's been telling me about how he he thinks that the me too movement has really gotten out of control and you know made you know made him feel like you know if he were to try to approach a woman in her early 20s or something you know down the line he would come off as a creep and a rapist or something like that i don't know right. Words he said, but something and, and, that's, and that's not right. I like I hey, if if everyone in in the discussion is an adult and everything's consensual, what the fuck does it matter what the age group or the age gap is? That's what I think. Well, I think the problem. I think in my in my and this is only my opinion. I do think that in Johnny Depp is innocent. Because, and again, that falls on the line with the Me Too movement that, you know, how do you know she's telling the truth that he did all these horrible things to her, he raped her? How do you know, you know, unless you have a, a camera hidden somewhere when you're having consensual sex, you know, you know, some women can be, you know, make trying to get even with you. You know, just like in the day when a white woman said, help, rape, this black guy raped me, you know what I mean? Yeah, everyone's just like, oh, yeah, it must be true. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> Man, I just, I hate it. Like, I, I'm embarrassed of what society is these days in America. I really am. Um, I I hope that the handicapped community doesn't get caught up in it at, at any time. Oh, yeah, and, and that's part of the point of special needs revolt to basically get up, stand up for our rights in a fun way. I mean, the word, you know, the word, you know, retard is being used in it, but it's mostly done by the bad guys, the guys who hate people with disabilities. And, right. and you know, so I don't know why it's such a pain to find financing for this one. I guess one of the reasons I was told by someone is because they're not going to make the people who have the money in the past or whatever, they're not going to. Get the, they're not going to get their money back for this film because indie films don't make any money, which is a bunch of shit, bullshit. You know, it's it's another it's another monkey wrench in the gears to yeah. for like me, independent filmmakers, to get our stuff out there. Yeah, and and that's the thing, and, and oh man, and that's that brought up one little side subject before I want to touch on before we leave this subject. Um, Villains can't be villains no more in movies, TV shows, wrestling. You just said it. The villain, the villains say the word retard in this movie, and because it's realistic, they have yeah. to. Yeah, it's in the script. Yeah, I, it, that's what I'm saying, man. Like, let 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 bad guys be bad guys. Let, let let villains be villains, and that's the whole point of wanting to see the good guys in movies prevail. You know, because yeah, yeah. it makes you root for the good guys and not like the bad, and not really like the bad guys, and want the good guy to win at the end. You know? Yeah. So, um, 
I wanted to ask, do you live on your own or do you live with your mother or? Um, well, because of financial reasons, um, and because of the crappy services and supports I get, I unfortunately don't live on my own. I want to live in my own apartment, but unfortunately because it's, everything's too expensive. And I mean, the choice either is live in either a small crappy apartment in the urban ghetto where there's a lot of crime in Rochester or, you know, live a nice, you know, safe life with your mom where, cause if I want to live in a place, apartment complex, like in the suburbs, let's say you don't know it, but I do more rustic, rustic village. It costs like a thousand, a hundred a month and I don't make that much money. So yeah. Right. No, I, I get it, man. There ain't nothing. And they know, nothing embarrassing about having to live with a family member like especially yeah, like yeah but again it's that it's that in, in in you know that kind of stigma and what i've been what you what you're what you see on in movies and shows and what you're brought up of is oh if you they find out you live with your mom especially on these dating sites these dating apps you know they're not going to want to be associated with you also the autism you know like yeah I think that's an issue why I can't really find a girlfriend. They find out, oh, he has autism or and he lives with his mom. He must be a loser. He's not going to do anything for me. So goodbye. Well, I'm telling you what, man, you got to go the route of what I've gone uh, for the last several years. You you get female friends somehow. Uh, you'll have to right. figure it out. Get female friends. Be a friend to them. Make sure they know that you have money and that you like to help out your female friends, but just somehow right. get them to understand, like, well, you know, if you want something from daddy, daddy wants something first, you know, that type of shit. And I'm telling you, that's how I get pussy, man. Like, you know, I, I have female friends and then I have female friends who I have, you know, stuck my penis in and I've helped them. They've helped me and we'll just leave it at that. But yeah, when you're disabled, you have to go when you're any kind of disabled, you know, and you have to go a different route to get these girls to want to spend time with you, let's just say. And, yeah. you know, it, it, I don't think you should be ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of it. So. Yeah, I, I get you. I mean, I do drive. I don't have a car. I mean, I do drive. I do own a, and drive a car. And I do have a very good job working with people with disabilities myself as a comhab. But, um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just frustrating and, you know, and, but, but, uh, there's but, always pocket pussies. There's always pocket pussies and all kinds of sex toys you can get. You just don't let your mama find them. <laughs> anyway. Um, Adrian, my good buddy, thank you so much for joining us. I want you to go ahead and use plug whatever you want to plug. Give me any kind of tidbits left that you want to give the audience that's listening Tell me what you want to uh, plug, buddy, before we let you go. Well, I'd like to plug um, Espo Cinema, and that's e -S -E -S -P -O Cinema, all one word, dot com. My company, my film company, uh, I'd like to plug Mad Dog Movies. My, my you know, that's my uh, friend, uh, Mike Boas, who's also my filmmaking teacher and his film company. Uh, um, Phil Rose Productions, uh, that's also my teacher, John Vincent, his, um, 
his uh, makeup effects studio and company and Pixelmander studio, my friend Kurt Markham, and also my mom, Christina. So that's that's who I'd like to give a plug and shout out to. And also Trome Entertainment, Lloyd Kaufman. <laughs> Hell yeah. We should all shout out Lloyd Kaufman and Troma from time to time, right? Yeah. <laughs> all right, my friend. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm sure we'll have you back on in the future when you complete other projects. We'll have you back on and uh, to talk more about that and plug that. And, uh, oh, and, and, and just like everyone uh, heard earlier, Clowns in the Woods is on Tubi. Go watch it. There's no, You don't have an excuse not to. Just go watch it, right? Yeah. Our good buddy Adrian gets a little bit of cash from those that ad revenue, so there ain't no reason why we all shouldn't want to help out and at least give the movie one viewing at least. Uh, if not multiple viewings, it's Tubi. Who who doesn't have Tubi, right? So yeah. But um, all right. Well, thank you again, Adrian, for joining me, and thank all of you for watching our episode tonight. Uh, if anyone wants to drop us any kind of suggestions or comments or anything like that, let us know. Uh, I'm up for suggestions. I'm up for future guests. If anyone wants to come on as a guest, and um, that's it. Have a good night, everyone. Adrian, you have a good night as well, and I'll talk to you guys later. $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.